Well, good morning. Uh, I'm Tim, uh, Dr. Tim Whitney, which is super weird. Uh, in fact, uh, so weird, so weird so much. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, thank you. Uh, I, I keep uh, asking my wife to call me doctor, and she hasn't yet, and so I don't know what the trick is. Maybe, Eric, you can help me learn that. So. Okay, never have. Okay, good. Yeah, it's probably rightly so. Since we're, since, you know, we're all family, uh, just, you know, Tim or whatever it is you call me when I can't hear you, uh, just keep doing that. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. If you're a first-time guest, I'm thrilled that you're here this morning. Uh, if you're joining us online for the first time, thank you. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we would love to hear from you, know more about you, see how we can serve you as a church. Uh, and want to remind you that Christmas Eve is coming. Uh, it comes the same date every year, and so whatever day December 24th is, that's when it's coming. We have Christmas Eve services at 3 and 5 p.m. Uh, 3 o'clock is planned in here, 5 o'clock is planned. Uh, candlelight service around the tree. And if I didn't get those details right, uh, look at your emails and uh, look online, okay? But I think that's right. Uh, and so we want you to be a part of that. Bring people. The gospel will be preached. God will change lives. You want to be there uh, for you and your family and those around you. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 occurs right after Galatians chapter 3. It's just weird how the Bible works like that, right? Uh, we are looking at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 uh, to continue to celebrate and understand the reality that God has sent Jesus as his gift of joy that you and I and all the world may experience joy. God himself is joy. So to give you joy and to give me joy and that, so that every person actually would experience and know Joy, God who is joy gives himself. Jesus who is God has come so that you may have joy. It's a beautiful thing. And today we're gonna look at Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven to see how God gives you joy and deems you perfect because of the joy that is found in the gift of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3 sets up a little bit of a problem or addresses a problem that the church in Galatia was dealing with. They had a history and a background. The churches in the region there, many of the new believers in Jesus, uh, they were historically uh, Jews, historically Hebrews, historically God's people that knew and obeyed, or rather knew and kind of quasi-lived by uh, the law, the standard of God is revealed in the Old Testament. And so what they knew now as followers of Jesus was that there was some kind of connection between uh, God's commands in the Old Testament, his standard as set forth, the way of life with which he has described ought to be lived by, and their new life in Christ and the freedoms that come with that. And so Galatians chapter 3, what Paul begins to do is address uh, some of the truths of the law of God that had been manipulated uh, to suit the way that they were living so that he could open up their minds to see if you're still trying to earn acceptance by God, you're misunderstanding the true gospel and really have erred into a false gospel. 
In other words, the good news is that Jesus has come and you now live for him. And if somehow you're thinking you need to earn that, there's something wrong and twisted about that. Galatians chapter 3 really gives us four ideas that Paul presents to lead into Galatians chapter 4. And the first one is this. Everyone look at the person next to you and say, wash your hands. Yeah, y'all, we need to wash our hands. We need to wash our hands. Yeah, I mean, obviously right now with uh, COVID or uh, with all of that, like it's important that we wash our hands. But did you know that because of uh, uh, when we opened back up uh, post-COVID shutdown, we had to put signs in the bathroom that say, uh, please wash your hands due to COVID. I'm going to say that again. We had to put signs in the bathroom that said, please wash your hands due to COVID. Y'all, you need to wash your hands in the bathroom because you just used the bathroom, all right? And that's nasty. But we had to put signs to remind people to do what they ought to do long before the sign existed. The first thing to know in Galatians chapter 3 about God's law is that God's law, his standard of perfection existed before God's people knew that it existed. Before the law was given, Scripture, knowing, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, uh, Scripture, knowing that the promise was to be for all people, told Abraham, the very first person that God talks to uh, about his promise in Scripture, uh, told him that it would be for all of the descendants that would come from him. There was a standard, God's standard, God's all, that existed before Abraham or Isaac or all of God's people were even aware of it. And, the, and so, Galatians chapter 3, Paul helps them see the standard of God existed beforehand. Here's the second thing that it argues. Galatians chapter 3 argues that no matter how you try to keep the law, you're going to fail at part of it. Is anyone trying to do the battle of leaves right now in their yard? Y'all, it it's kicking my tail. It's like uh, I, I spend all day working hard to get every single leaf, and then I go inside for some water. I come outside, and apparently the wind blew, and our neighbors just dumped all their leaves in my yard or something, uh, and in some weird conspiracy, my yard is covered in leaves again. Like, I just tried to clean that up, right? In that process, no matter how hard I try, I cannot get every leaf. It's impossible right now. The same is true that, God, that uh, Paul, who wrote Galatians, tells the church at Galatia. Now, listen, you, you can't possibly keep all of God's law. Th that's not what it was made for. But on top of that, good luck, you're not going to do it. Even if those that were in believers in Jesus that were in Galatia, that had a, uh, what is described as the elemental spirits of the world. Under that, uh, these, that's a fancy term for these ideas that you kind of lived under before, before you even knew what God's standard was. Whether you were a Jew and know God's law, or whether you were outside of God's historic people, and you knew there was a standard uh, that you just failed to meet over and over again because you kept doing it and kept getting in trouble for it, and even kept enforcing it in your own culture, wherever you land as a Jew or a Gentile, as a slave or as a free, as a male or as a female, all are one now in 
Christ, and you have to be that because all of you failed the standard at some level. You could not keep it all. The third thing we learn in Galatians chapter 3, we learn that God's standard wasn't designed for them to be under and be able to live up to. That's not why God gives us his standard. Uh, I had a previous job one time. I was a Navy diver, and one specific time, we were going, uh, uh, we were working on a project, and I was sitting standby, standby divers standing by to dive. Fancy, right? And so, as I was there, I was ready to help with whatever, whatever, and I got called to go help out, and so I put on my, uh, it was a Mark 20, so it's kind of a full face mask thing. I put it on, jumped in the water, under the water I go, I get underneath the project, and uh, suddenly my whole mask sucks to my face. I had no air. Now, out of curiosity, you may not know this, uh, but I'm guessing you do, Um, How many of you believe that you can breathe water? Is that anybody? Now, you you find out real quick from the moment that you begin going in water that when you go under the water, you quickly realize you can't breathe water. That's not even what it was designed for. And so I realized that, and then, okay, I'm going to figure out how to breathe now. And so I went up to the surface. I ripped off uh, my mask, and a buddy of mine, I think, watching right now, he, uh, he was like, man, Whitney, what are you doing? I said, I need air. And so then that created a little bit of a bee's hive on the boat. I felt air go to my mask. I put it on and thought, I'm not getting in that. And I went back under the water because I could breathe. But here's the point. You can't breathe underwater. Water isn't designed for you to breathe. And it becomes really obvious when you go under the water that you need air to live. You can fake it for four to six minutes. If you train yourself, you can fake it for seven to eight minutes. But eventually, eventually, you will find out that you cannot breathe. The law of God, Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 3, was not designed for you to find life in. Meeting God's standard was not met by God's standard existing and you trying to live up to it. We are under the law, and being under the law, we quickly realize we can't keep this thing. Like, have you read the Old Testament? Have you read the left half of the Bible? In that part, man, Abraham comes along, cannot keep God's standard. Isaac comes along, cannot keep God's standard. Uh, Jacob comes along, that dude was a scoundrel. He didn't keep anything at all. All of his sons failed to meet God's standard. All of God's people after that in Egypt failed to meet God's standard. Moses failed to meet God's standard. Joshua failed to meet God's standard. Uh, The judges who came after them failed to meet God's standard. King Saul failed to meet God's standard. King David failed to meet God's standard. All of the kings that followed failed to meet God's standard. The prophets over and over and over again and the the, uh, major and minor prophets, y'all get back to God or he's angry. You're failing, you're failing, you're failing. They continue for thousands of years to fail to meet God. God's standard, even those whom God has sat down with and said, this is what it looks like to be mine, and they live like they don't know him at all. 
You read the Old Testament, and if you read it and come to the conclusion, who in the world could meet God's standard? Who in the world could be righteous? There isn't a single person born who could ever meet the standard of God. No, not one. And now you've read the Old Testament right, because this is why Jesus came. You see, God promised, he promised that he would make a perfect people. He promised he would make a perfect people. But there are none who are perfect, not a single one. In fact, if you're in here, you're watching, and you go, I'm, I'm not perfect. And welcome to the beginning of the gospel. Galatians chapter four, verse four starts out like this. Says, in the fullness, but when the fullness of time had come. Uh, Sometimes we think, well, you know, there was a common language with Rome ruling, and and that's true, that's true. That was helpful for this part of the gospel. Uh, Sometimes we get an idea of like open borders, you know, with Rome and one kingdom, and that helped. Okay, you know, God was waiting for that. Uh, maybe, I don't know, at Pentecost, they all spoke languages and the gospel spread among cultures. And that, I mean, that, that was helpful, but that's not what God was waiting for. The language is, finally, everything was ready. Everything was ready. After so much evidence that even if you know God's standard, You won't keep it. Everything is ready to now see how God who has promised to make a perfect people is gonna take imperfect people and make them perfectly his. You see, we need to hear that because of this last reality taught to us in Galatians chapter three. In Galatians chapter three, we find out that not only would God's people not keep his promises if they knew them, and they did, and they didn't, but they can't. Uh, Last night, as I was walking through Hometown Christmas, uh, we saw Neil and the carolers, and they were all dressed up, and so I said, uh, hey, I thought you guys were going to dress up, like, ha-ha, funny church joke, right? And so uh, uh, I, I said, well, hey, you guys should dress like that, Uh, whenever you lead uh, worship. You know, Neil's one of our uh, worship leaders leading our uh, music ministry. And um, he said, uh, I'll wear this to church tomorrow if you wear this while preaching tomorrow. And so I want you to know that one of the things about me is that um, not only uh, will I not back down from a challenge, but I can't, all right? I'm gonna, it's, it's, it's it's sometimes good, Sometimes really bad. I just, I, I can't. God is working with me in that. And so I want you to know, Neil, that uh, the gauntlet is thrown down. I am wearing these while preaching. Okay, now here's the fourth reality. God's standard existed before God's people knew about it. Uh, the standard was not designed for you to live righteously. Even if it was, you wouldn't be able to keep all of it And on top of that, even if you could keep all of it, you wouldn't, even if you wanted to. And that's a problem. And so here's what Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven is gonna teach us. Are you ready? 
If you're in here and you're imperfect and you have a sea of failure in front of you and a mountain of weaknesses behind you, what you exist as is someone who cannot please God. If you see that in your life, you see how God describes you apart from him. And this news is for you. Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 7 says this, that God makes you who are imperfect perfect by sending Jesus Christ to redeem you from sin and adopt you as his own. Look at continuing on in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. What in the world does that mean? You see, the reason why we can say that God sent forth his son for you is because Jesus came and was like you in his his humanity in every way that you are, except he perfectly fulfilled the standard of God because he's God. He was born just like you were born. That's what it means, born of a woman. He lived a human life, though still 100% God. How that works? Uh, God 100, Jesus 100% God, 100% man. I, it's like how the posi track works on a, uh, on a Plymouth. I have no idea, right? It just, it just does. Okay, that's, that's given. Maybe another time we can address that. But Jesus was human. He, he was born. He, he cried in the manger. He had explosive diapers. How uncomfortable is that to think about our Savior, right? Like, he, he grew up, he was a two-year-old toddling around and falling down and scraping his knee. He, he grew up eating foods, and I don't know, maybe he still only liked chicken nuggets and french fries at four years old or whatever. Like, I, I, probably not, I don't know, but like, he, he grew up like that. He, he had loved ones who passed away. He, he felt frustrated and angry. He felt, he felt loved. He felt rejected. He grew up and had all of the things that you have in your life, and he was born under the law. He had the same expectations that you have. He was tempted like you are. He faced the same things that you face, yet he did not sin. He did not fail to meet the standard of God. He was faced with every single way that you are faced to be discredited by God's standard. He was faced with every single way that you are faced with being uh, counted out, condemned by God's standard. He was faced with every single way that you and me as, uh, as humans having sinned and failing to meet the standard of God, failing to live up to the righteousness that he demands. Now he was faced in every way with that. He was, he faced everything by which, theological term, strong theological term for a strong idea, 
He was faced in every way with everything that damns us, separates us from God because of the curse of sin. He was faced in every way, born, uh, born from a woman, born under the law. And he did all of this, look at verse six, to redeem uh, those who are under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. He redeems you from every single way because of his perfection, from every single way that the law would say, God's standard would say, you did not live up to the standard, you cannot live up to the standard, you are disowned, depart from me. He was condemned, for, uh, he, was, uh, he redeemed every single way by which the law of God would say, you are now condemned because of your standing before God. He, was, he redeemed you from every single way by which standing before the judgment seat of God, he would look at you and say, you are now damned to hell because of your sin. Every single way that the curse of sin has ruined and affected his creation in your life, Jesus has redeemed you from that. Born of a woman, born under the law, perfectly meeting the standard of God because he is God, so that you who are far off would be brought near, so that you who are dead in sin would be made alive together with Christ, so that you who are his enemy are now not just his friend, not just allowed to be with him, but he brings you in as a child of God. He looks at you and says, you who were condemned, now come in as my son. You who are far off, now you're mine. You who have weaknesses and failures, they get redeemed, bought back, rescued by Jesus so that you who are imperfect are made perfect again by believing in Jesus Christ. God did for you what you can't. You're imperfect and that's a problem because God's requirement is perfect people. So God did for you what you can't. He became perfect. He was perfect. And he redeems you by paying the penalty that you can't pay. The penalty that you owe because of the standard of God that existed before you even knew it existed. The penalty that you owe because even if you tried, you couldn't keep it all. The penalty that you and I owe because we can't. We're not even designed. Like that, that, it doesn't work like that. The penalty that you and I owe, God paid to redeem you and redeem you not just to keep you as a slave, but to bring you in as a son, as his own. Look at verses six and seven. Verse six says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Y'all, this, this is why we rejoice at the coming of Christ. Did you know, as a follower of Christ, when you talk to God, He doesn't look at you remembering, basing that conversation off of all of the ways that you failed, 
all of the weaknesses that you've had, all of the sins that you have committed. Your relationship with God isn't based on that thing you did at 12 that you still feel super guilty about today as an adult. It's not based on the way you messed up when you were 16. Your relationship with God is not defined, you and him, is not defined by how you ran from him later on as you grew up. The harshness with which you can have with your kids or the way that you didn't treat your marriage as God intended. Or it doesn't define your relationship by uh, whether or not you're, uh, you're flailing in what God's planned for your life now that the season has changed Again, he's not defining his relationship based on how good you're doing at maintaining that relationship with him. He looks at you and has put the spirit of God in you, and when you say God, he says, you're mine. You're like, I hear you. I'm your dad. You're mine. I have a four-and-a-half-year-old, and he had a ton of fun at Hometown Christmas last night. It was, uh, okay, it was awesome. And so uh, my son is my son because he's my son. He's not my son because I thought like, well, we'll just kind of see how this goes and if he does good enough, then you know. He's my son because he's my son. I said he's my son. He's my son because I made him my son. I mean, Megan made him, but you know what I mean. Like the, he's my son. He's not my son because he's uh, continuing to live up to whatever standard as flawed as I am and the standard would be flawed. He's not my son because he's living up to some standard that he has. He's my son even as he runs away. He's my son even as he disobeys. He's my son if, if he does good. He's my son if he does bad. That is my child because I have said he is mine. When my son cries out, I hear him. I'm his dad, always, and that'll never change because I've made him my son. Believer in Jesus, you need to hear this. When you cry out to God, when you go before his throne, God rescued you, redeemed you from every fault, failure, imperfection, and sin that you have have, have, are, and will ever commit before him. He knows you're imperfect, but he has redeemed you to be perfect in giving you the standing of his own son, Jesus Christ. The spirit of God in you, making you alive, changing your heart, changing your life, so that when you stand before, the, before God and say, Father, he says, I hear you, you're my son. You're mine, my son. And just adopt you all, to bring you as an indentured slave into his service. He redeems you. You get the standing that Jesus has before the Father, which is perfect, unbroken, and forever. But not only that, verse 7. Look at verse 7 again. He says, So you're no longer a slave, but you are a son. You are a daughter. You are God's child. He owns you. You are his. And if a son, then an heir through God. 
We can confidently say that not, we're not trying to earn our way into favor with God because we know the whole left part of the side of the Bible teaches you can't. It teaches a bunch of other stuff, but definitely you can't do that. We're an heir with God's blessing and his favor forever. We are his people and he is our God. And there is a day coming when he will be with us, where there will be no separation. He'll be walking with his people. We'll know him fully, unlike anything we know in this life. We know that because he not only saved us, made us his child, but he gives us everything in inheritance. We are heirs, co-heirs with Christ. As Christ receives, so do we. And that is a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. So what do we do with this? Well, if you're not a follower of Christ, if you don't believe in Jesus, it's not even a part of your life. It doesn't exist I'm not saying you've been to church before. I'm not saying uh, you uh, grew up uh, in and out or uh, you own a Bible. I mean, the trajectory of your life is you don't follow Jesus Christ. Whether you have a historically religious background in your family or nothing at all. If you're not a follower of Jesus, would you see that God's beautiful gift as we celebrate it during the Christmas season, is that he has promised to make a perfect people. He knows that you're not perfect. And so God makes you perfect by sending Jesus Christ to redeem you from your sin all of your faults, all of your failures, all of the ways that you haven't met his standard to redeem you from his sin and adopt you as his own. Today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to hear, you'll never get there on your own. You can't live up to the standard. It's always existed before you even knew that it existed. And now that you know that it exists, even if you try really hard, you're never gonna get it all. So you got to know you're, you're not going to do that. There are none righteous, no, not one. But if you confess your sins and believe in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You're the kind of person in your imperfection that Jesus Christ came for. You're exactly that. Today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, would you confess your sins and believe in Jesus? If you are a follower of Christ, if we're not careful, we, we, can, we can kind of manipulate. This is what the Galatians were doing. They were taking uh, their, their knowledge, uh, what they were kind of brought up in, and they were kind of adding it to the finished work of Christ and, and, and then using that to measure their standard before God. Like We can feel like that. And it sounds something like this, whatever this sounds like in your life. I didn't do X, Y, and Z. God must be so disappointed with me if I do X, Y, and Z, God will be satisfied with me. That's a dangerous equation. And X, Y, and Z might even be really good things. Like attending church regularly. Y'all, we ought to. We ought, we ought to. I'm not saying don't. If I can just nail my quiet time down, then finally, you know, this block between me and God will be lifted or whatever. It can be really bad things. 
Y'all, as I've been, I've been a pastor for uh, 13 years, coming up in 14 years. And I want you to know that believers in Jesus Christ sin. They do. You know they do because you sin. And so maybe your X, Y, and Z, you've taken the gospel and manipulated it with, man, if I can just get these things right, then maybe God will accept me and release whatever, whatever. No, no, that, that's not the gospel. The gospel is this. You, he makes you perfect by sending Jesus Christ to redeem you from your sin and adopt you as your own. He's not measuring the standard of your relationship with him by how good you are at keeping your end of the bargain. So today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, would you take that thing that you measure how good you're doing with God by, and would you just say, God, would you help me to see this in the way that you have designed me to see this? God, help me not to measure your love for me the way that you think about me. Help me not to measure it by whether or not I am or am not doing this thing. Y'all, let's go to the Lord in prayer and respond. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just take some time and have a conversation with him? Would you talk to God? Allow him to show where you, where you uh, uh, live like you're keeping the standard of God is what's keeping your relationship in line with him. If you're a follower of Jesus, ask God to show you what that is and Help him replace that in your heart with a healthy view of the gospel that you have been redeemed, that he loves you, he calls you his own, he makes you his own, and that at no point in your running and your rebellion and your attempts to earn it, does it in any way change his love and affection and relationship for you. Y'all, he sent Jesus to die for you when you were a sinner how much more now as a follower of Jesus do we have his wonderful, beautiful gifts in and around us? If you're a follower of Jesus, tune me out for a minute and have a conversation with the Lord. If you're not a follower of Christ and you are in here or watching online and you would say, I... Tim, you don't understand how imperfect I am. And you're right, I might not. But I want you to know that the gospel is for you. In fact, it's only for imperfect people. And the good news is it's for everybody because everybody's imperfect. Today, if you who are imperfect would confess to God that you have sinned, you've failed to meet the standard, do you know his response? That is why I sent forth my son. You confess your sin. And then you say, God, would you forgive me of my sin? You know God's response? I sent forth my son to redeem you from that. 
I made him like you with the same standard. He met the standard you couldn't. By confessing your sin, you get his life in you, his perfect life that he lived, the perfect standard. Right now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, would you pray to God and ask, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. He'll agree. I believe that you sent Jesus to redeem me from my sin. He'll say, yes, I did. And then say something like, God, would you put your Holy Spirit in me? And because of the gift of Jesus, would you make me perfect before you? And here's God's response. You're mine. So if today that's you, the best you know how, praying to believe in and follow God through faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to have some people up front that would love to talk with you. If you're online, there are some people watching right now, and you can, depending on the platform, click the live prayer button or send us a message on Facebook if you're on Facebook. And there are people who are standing by to chat with you on Facebook. You can also text Jesus to the number on the screen or email pastor at firstnorfolk.org, and we will follow up with you. But whatever it is that God would call us to do this morning, let's walk out of here more like Jesus, not because we're going to go work harder at it, not because we're going to be more aggressive in the approaches that we use, but because God has sent forth his Son He's put his spirit within us. He's redeemed us from our sin and adopted us as a son. And so going forward like Jesus, because God makes us like Jesus every time we come to him. Let's pray. God, thank you for being so good to us. Help us to respond with the courage and conviction that you are working within us by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for those who your followers, God, would you help them to see how good and beautiful your gift of Christ is? Help them to understand better the reality of your standing before them. And Lord, give them grace and release from the ways that they, that we measure our relationship with you by our trying to maintain your promise your perfection. God, for those that aren't your followers, Lord, would you, by your spirit, convict them, show them your love for them, give them the courage and the conviction to follow you. God, thank you that you came for imperfect people like me and like them. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.